Hi, I'm Roland Vive, and I'd like to thank you for coming to my podcast today. Today, I'd like to talk about um, what some of the considerations should be when you're starting a new business. I've had this conversation with clients hundreds of times, and I know that when you're starting a business of your own, there's a lot of questions. It's a very uh, nerve-wracking set of issues that you have to navigate, and and people who are getting into business for that first time really don't know where to start, and there's not a, a focused place for resources. There are resources out there, but there's no one place where you can go and have all your answers, all your questions answered. So um, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of those considerations. There's far too much to talk about in any one uh, sitting, so I think this is probably part of a series of, of podcasts that we'll have going forward that talk about various issues. Today we'll start off in more general terms. So one of the first questions you have to ask yourself when you're starting your own business is what kind of form is it going to take? So there's a, essentially a couple of options. One is you can simply carry on that business as a sole proprietor, which means that any income you earn, net of expenses, and we'll, we'll get into the expense part, but any profit that you make would be taxed on your personal tax return. S uh, different schedules you have to fill out, but it is essentially taxed at your personal tax rate. And the other option would be to incorporate the business, um, where you're not, you know, there's, there's a separate, separate legal entity that is created and your profits are taxed at the corporate level. And there are some advantages to each of them. Um, and that's, you know, one of the first basic questions you have to answer is, you know, how am I going to do this? So the advantage of a proprietorship uh, where the income that you make, your profit from the business is go goes right on your personal tax return is that it's, it's simple to do. Um, it is uh, something you can literally start, get business cards, uh, perhaps register a trade name, open up a separate bank account, but essentially it's you carrying on the business. The downside to it, of course, is that there's no um, protection from legal liability. So if you get sued for something you do in the course of your business, then your personal assets are at risk for that. Um, I'm not a lawyer, so you know that's all I'm going to say about the legal side of things. I'm an accountant. I'm a tax accountant. So I'm going to focus more on, on the tax and accounting differences. So again, one of the things about doing it as a proprietor, unincorporated, um, is that the income that you make, not the, not the total revenue, but after all your expenses are deducted, that is taxed on your personal tax return at personal marginal rates. So if you've ever done your own tax return or looked at tax rate charts, you'll know that uh, income that is earned, you know, small amounts of income are taxed at lower rates. And the more you earn, the higher your marginal tax rate becomes. And when I say marginal tax rate, I'm talking about how much tax will that next dollar of income uh, generate in tax liability. So in Ontario, if you're at the very high end, um, that, you know, your marginal tax rate is, you know, upwards of around 53%. So if, you, if you're lucky enough to have a very successful business and you're making, you know, $250,000, that next dollar you make, you're going to pay 53 cents of tax on it. So that's, although a proprietorship is simple to do, easy to get into, um, if you're starting to make uh, a lot of money, then not only do you have the liability concerns, um, you you also have potentially a higher tax rate, so that's that's one you know that's kind of the pros and cons at a very basic level for the proprietorship. Now, if you incorporate, uh, incorporating has some advantages. There is that um, in theory some legal liability protection that any um, exposure to liability from your business, if you're carrying on through a corp, 
is theoretically uh, limited to the assets of the corporation, so you might not be personally liable. That's not always the case, but it's a general statement. But the bigger advantage is that a corporation has a different tax rate. It has a flat tax rate. So your net income, again, revenues minus expenses from that corporate, from that business that is run through a corporation, if you're in Ontario, and it varies from province to province, but if you're in Ontario, you would pay federal and corporate tax on that, but it would be somewhere around 13%. Um, so now, if you are earning significant income from this business, the you know there's an advantage if you were to carry that on through a corporation your profit would be taxed at 13 percent versus where it would be if you were doing it uh, as an individual now that's only part of the picture um, not many people have the benefit of having income earned through a corporation and just being able to leave it there you need money to pay the bills and and lead a reasonable life so when that happens, when you're operating through a corporation, there's potentially a separate instance of tax where you would either take uh, take a salary from your business or you would take a dividend out from your business. And we'll talk a little bit about those distinctions in a minute. But uh, at the end of the day, one of the major advantages of incorporating would be um, that if you're earning more money than you need, so if you're the profit of your company, I'm going to use an example, is $100,000 after expenses, and you only need 50000 to live, then you can leave that excess profit in the company and have it pay tax, pay tax on it at 13%, and that will leave the remaining 87% to be invested either to grow the business or to acquire new equipment and to do those sorts of things. So the low rate of corporate tax, to the extent that you don't need to take it all out for your, your own personal use, uh, does provide a very powerful uh, powerful incentive to incorporate. So at a very high level, that's uh, you know the advantage of incorporating. Now, so the question is, you know, why does doesn't everybody incorporate? Well, incorporating is uh, it creates a much more complex scenario. So first of all, you've got the cost of setting up your company, and you've got the cost which you know is a one-time cost, and then you have to maintain minute books. Uh, so there's fees for for that each year, and that's more on the legal side. But the, the bigger cost is that, you know, corporate structure is is more complex. So whereas you can go get a tax product at um, Staples, for example, and do your own personal return, doing your own corporate return is not really for the faint of heart. So at a very minimum, I mean, most people, I, I don't know actually any people who've done their own corporate filings. So, you know, now you're getting involved in, um, you know, other advisors, accountants to to help you compile a the activities, uh, the financial statements for your company, and prepare your tax return. So, incorporating brings additional costs to it, um, and you know, depending on how much activity is being carried out, that's not an inconsequential thing. The other thing about incorporating is that it is separate and distinct from you, the the individual, at least from a from a legal perspective. So, you know, you have to maintain clear um, records uh, and, you know, you really have to segregate. You can't use your corporate bank account as your own uh, personal piggy bank. So it does force a certain level of discipline on you to make sure that there's an adequate se segregation between, you know, your own personal activities and the corporation. So whereas as an unincorporated person carrying on a sole proprietorship, it's not as bad if you if you were to mingle that. So. Um, you know, a corporate scenario will require separate bank accounts and the pretty clear uh, delineation on on activities of the corp and activities that are that are personal. And then with a corporation, you have the added complexity of figuring out 
how you compensate yourself. So there's added complexity there, but there's also added advantage. So that's, you know, one of the first decisions you have to make is how am I going to do this? And if it's, you know, and, and I guess there's some middle ground where you might consider starting out the business as a sole proprietor because you don't know how it's going to go. Um, and if it gets some traction and you feel that this is something that you're going to permanently do, then at, late, at some later point in time, you could, um, you could decide to take that proprietorship and incorporate it. If you, if you go that route, um, there, you know, it's a little bit more complicated to start off a business unincorporated and then bring it, convert it into a corporate structure. It can be done, but it's, it's inherently easier and cheaper to make that decision from the beginning. But certainly lots of people decide before they take the plunge and, and go and incorporate and do all of these things, they'll, they'll try it out first. And there's nothing wrong with that. As long as you're aware that, you know, if you are to then continue it as a corporate entity, then you're going to pay a little bit extra than it would cost to, to have set it up in the first place. So let's um, let's go with the well. You know what? Even before we decide whether you're incorporated or your proprietorship, um, there's always the question that that new business owners ask, and and it's basically what what is deductible? What what can I deduct as an expense? And there's this misconception out there that the Income Tax Act uh, contains a big list of what is deductible and what's not. I mean, I wish that was the case. Um, the Income Tax Act is our guiding book in terms of your guiding piece of legislation in terms of what is a deductible expense but but there it's it's there are some specifics in there but it's mostly guided by principle and the overriding principle is that if you have an expense and you can make a connection between that expense and the business then it is deductible so um it, whereas if you think of someone who's an employee um they may have certain expenses they incur uh, as an employee for their for their employment work, uh, they're very limited in what they can deduct. But once you are starting out as, as a business and you're earning a business income as opposed to employment income, then there's a bigger pool of deductions available to you. So the principle, again, is, you know, if you can make a connection between the expenditure or the expense and the process of earning income, then it becomes deductible. And it doesn't have to be a new expense. So some some expenses are quite obvious. If you start off a business and you have to get uh, business cards done and you order, you know, stationery and other supplies, that's clearly connected to the business. Others are are less obvious. So, um, you know, taking prospective clients out for uh, lunch or coffee and, you know, talking business with them, um, you know, there is a connection, even if they don't become clients um, or customers of, of your company, then it's still a deductible expense examples of things that are, you know, there may also include uh, expenses that you're already paying for that previously were not deductible. They were personal in nature. And now suddenly they're, because you're in business for yourself, they may become deductible. So an uh, example of that might be cell phone. So you may have your cell phone, which you use for personal use. Um, as average person and employee, that's not deductible. But if now you're self-employed and you're using that cell phone for work, then, you know, maybe not all of it, but a portion of that may become deductible to you because clearly now it's a tool that you need for the business. Um, same thing, for example, would be home internet. So you would have home internet um, that you're using for personal use. And now that if you're uh, in business and you're using it to communicate with clients, do research, um, and just, you know, general business use, then, you know, perhaps a portion of that home internet would become 
become deductible in the business. Uh, and then, you know, so those, those are a couple of examples where um, they're not necessarily new or incremental expenses, but because you're now in business and you've hung up your shingle, um, that you can make that connection and they start to become deductible, at least in part. Um, so, you know, that's, it, there's no list. Um, I think the best thing to do when, I, when I'm meeting with prospective clients or people who've started up the business is really just kind of run through and say, okay, what sort of things are you out of pocket? You know, what, what expenses are you incurring for this? And we kind of do a yes, no, yes, no, in terms of them being deductible. Uh, as a general rule, um, you know, expenses which are clearly personal in nature, we can't make enough of a connection so they don't become deductible. And an interesting example would be uh, clothing or dry cleaning. So the argument would be, well, you know, I have to look professional in front of my clients or prospective clients. So unless I have that fancy suit, um, I'm not going to have credibility. So see, there's the connection and therefore it becomes deductible. That's not going to pass many, um, many tests with the uh, Canada Revenue Agency. That would be something that is clearly personal. Even though you can make some sort of an argument, everybody has a responsibility in that case to be presentable. And unless it's extremely out of the ordinary, like you're dealing with hazardous, hazardous material um, and you need specialized clothing, then it's not going to be deductible. So there'll always be some things which are clearly personal in nature that aren't going to be deductible, but uh, by and large, a lot of the expenses, as long as you can connect it to the business, will become deductible. Now, that is true, um, so now I'm going to kind of tie that into, uh, you know, the incorporated versus unincorporated. Um, what, if it's a deductible expense, then it's likely going to be deductible whether you're a sole proprietor or a corporation. I don't think, um, well, I, I know that if you were to incorporate, you're not suddenly going to get a whole pool of deductions available to you that you wouldn't if you were unincorporated. Once you cross that threshold to say, I'm not an employee, I'm now in business, the expenses become deductible whether you're incorporated or unincorporated. So that's, you know, that's kind of the very first, you know, decision that people have to make when they're getting into business. So let's say, you know, we're going to incorporate because I think most businesses, once they reach a certain level of activity, they end up incorporating either for the, um, you know, for the liability protection or simply uh, they're making enough money and they want to benefit from the lower corporate tax rate. So once you're incorporated, so we're going to go down that route. Once you're incorporated or as you're starting off to incorporate, you have to figure out who, the, who do you want the shareholders to be. Um, the shareholders are the people who own the company so that if it is ever sold, they would benefit from the sales proceeds there. Um, and they potentially benefit from the growth in the company. So it's an important decision to make um, because you want to do it while the company is just starting out, while it's worthless. If you decide that you're going to be the sole shareholder and you incorporate the business and issue shares to yourself, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you then decide at a later point in time that I, you know, my spouse is involved in the business and he or she is actively involved and I want to give them shares. But once once the company's got value, you it's it's not impossible, but it's trickier to then issue shares to someone, give them shares of a company that has value and have them pay no money for it. So that becomes a problem. So, you know, once you've made it across the line, I'm going to incorporate, then you have to start thinking about how you, uh, who you want the shares to be, uh, how you want them to be held, who owns them, what proportion, 
Um, and that's, again, there's no right or wrong answer to that. I think you need a bit of a crystal ball, um, but certainly, you know, some thought needs to be given to, to that decision from the onset. Another, you know, critical decision up front uh, is what classes of shares need to be issued. So, um, you know, when you set up a company, you can have different classes of shares. And each class of share would have a different bundle of rights associated with it. So if you have, um, you know, family members or other partners, you may want them to, to have some sort of benefit if the company's ever sold, or so they'll have value. But you might not necessarily want them to be involved in day-to-day -day decisions. So you might not want to give them voting rights. So again, that's a whole other discussion to have. But it's important to have it at the onset when you're, when you're setting up the business. And then, you know, another um, consideration once you've set up the company is how do you compensate yourself? So, um, like I said, very few people have the luxury of leaving every dollar that they earn within the company. So a key de decision is how am I going to take money out? And as a general rule, when you take money out of a business, it's taxable. Um, and there's two general ways that that can happen. You can pay yourself a salary, so you can actually put yourself on the payroll of the company and draw a salary from the company. Or you can take dividends from the company, which is, um, is, is different. It, it's, it attracts a different level of tax. So I'm going to talk about both. So the salary, I think most people are familiar with how that works. You set your annual salary at, let's say, $50,000 a year, and you take you know every two weeks or monthly salary from your company. Uh, you pay tax on it personally. There's tax that's withheld. The company, um, you pay into the Canada Pension Plan. And what most people don't know is that not only do you pay into Canada Pension Plan, but the company also matches it. So when you take a salary out, it has benefits. We'll talk about that. But there is a, definitely a cost that's associated with it. So if you're, you know, taking, um, you know, salary of, let's say, 60000 um, you're going to pay upwards of $2,700, $2,800 of Canada Pension Plan. And by the way, the company will too. So there's, there's a cost there to, to drawing salary. The advantages of drawing salary is that it can create RSP room for you. Um, if you don't take salary and you're just taking money out as dividends, you're not going to build up any RSP room. Uh, you may not be able to deduct childcare expenses. And um, you know, so those are some of the considerations. But, but certainly making the decision of whether you take salary uh, or dividends is, is something that needs to be focused. And it's not you know, irreversible. If you decide one year that you're going to just take a salary out, um, you can switch to, to taking dividends out, or you can do a combination of the two. Now, uh, the difference with salary and dividends is if you were to just take a dividend out, it's not going to attract any payroll tax, so you're not going to have tax withheld from that at the source. You're not going to have Canada Pension Plan withheld, so there's some savings there. But the disadvantage is that you've now got, if you're not a good planner, you're taking money out that you will have to pay tax on when you file your tax return, but there's nothing withheld at source. So that is, you know, for people who are not disciplined, can be a bit of a concern. Um, it doesn't generate RSP room. So, you know, if, if have, contributing to RSPs is something that's important to you, uh, if you're only drawing out dividends, then you're not going to be able to do that. And um, you're not going to contribute to Canada Pension Plan, so you might save some money, but you're also not building up entitlements. So, you know, those are, those are some of the considerations. Um, dividends don't have to be done on a, on a scheduled basis, whereas salary needs to be somewhat periodic, and you have to 
do your, your source deduction remittances to the Canada Revenue Agency. With a dividend, you can just kind of yank out money when you need it. So I do see a lot of people, at least in the short term, um, doing you know, when starting out a business, doing a dividend-only strategy, simply because it's easier, cash flow is unpredictable, and you know you can simply take money out on an as-needed basis. Um, the di- again, another important consideration is that a dividend is an after-tax distribution. So um, if you were to take dividends out of a company, it's not going to be deductible by the company. So the company first has to pay tax on that. So if you use an example where a company earns $100, um, it's going to pay 13% tax, so you'll have $87 left. When you pay yourself a dividend, it's coming out of that $87. So on the receiving end, it's already been taxed once at the corporate level. There are some fairly effective compensating mechanisms in the Income Tax Act that um, will subject the dividend to a lower rate of tax than you would other sources of income. And that's in recognition of the fact that the, the dividend's already been taxed once at, at 13%. So again, there's no right or wrong to this in terms of how you compensate yourself. It's just a case of looking through the alternatives and figuring out what works best for you. And if you happen to go the dividend route, then you just simply need to be aware that it's not going to be deductible to the corp, it's not going to be taxed at source, and you're eventually going to have to pay the tax on that. So a little bit of budgeting is... Uh, is in order, but it certainly is simple. And what you do in one particular year is not necessarily uh, indicative of what you have to do another year. So I have clients, lots of people who will, you know, do dividends and switch to salary or vice versa. So um, I'm going to end it there. I mean, I think that is at least a starting point in terms of, um, you know, some of the things you should think about when starting a business. Again, to recap, looking at different types of uh, different forms of business, incorporated or unincorporated, and if you do the, go the corporate route, then um, you know have to look at who you want the shareholders to be, um, how the different classes of shares, and how you want to compensate yourself. And those are, are very complex decisions that there's no one size fits all, and I think it is really based on on your own personal circumstances and to a certain extent where you think the companies or the business is going to go and to what size and um, how big it's going to get. Um, so that's that's it for this episode. I think what we'll talk about in future episodes is um, some of the other more mundane things, but equally important, uh, what sort of banking arrangements you need, um, what kind of uh, records I need to keep, and um, and you know what do I do with the excess money that I'm earning through the business? So, so those are and and also how the HST works in the context of of running a business. So those are uh, those are future topics that uh, are uh, subjects unto their own. Thank you.